Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning to those who are watching online as well. I want to welcome you into our service today. It's good to see each one of you. Good to see my good old buddy all the way from Melbourne, Brother Sivar. Welcome, welcome. Sivar stands so everybody knows who, we, who, who this handsome young man is. Okay, Brother Sivar. All right. All right, I want to welcome him back again. He's been a very, very faithful, you know, friend and follower. He follows us also online. Before we do anything else, let's just take the worship offering. We want to bless God with your offering. Amen. Thank you for your faithfulness in sowing. We are able to continue with the work that we are doing, not only here, but also in our outreach works. Huh? Father, we love you and we thank you for the privilege you have given to us to be involved in the work of the ministry, not just here, but also in touching people in different parts of the world. We are blessed in so many ways, Lord. The fact that we are able to hold finances in our hands is a proof that you have blessed us with more than enough. So we so thanking you in appreciation for all that you have done for us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Amen. So happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Come on, all fathers. Happy Father's Day. Amen. You know, children, sometimes we have a problem with our children and my children can be very, very uh, disobedient at certain times. But there's one thing, they are always very obedient. When it comes to this, they are absolutely obedient. It is when I tell them, do not buy anything for me for Christmas, my birthday, and Father's Day, they all obey. <laughs> Next Sunday morning, I'll be speaking to you on uh, an evangelistic message. I'll be talking about life under the sun or in the sun. That'll be my next Sunday morning's message. And so I trust that you will bring someone with you because we must always be letting people understand that God really loves them. Come on, amen? And they need to know that God loves them and they need to understand that life is more than just existing or surviving, that life is meant to be enjoyed, life is meant to be filled with enthusiasm. Life is meant to be lived. That's why Jesus came. He came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. Amen. So it's Father's Day. It's Father's Day. I'm kind of reminded of the grandfather who went to visit his son and the family. He wanted to see the grandkids, so he travels all the way. Haven't seen them for quite some time. He goes into the home, has a nice time, you know, re having this wonderful reunion and then later on, he goes, he sits in the living room. The son is outside playing with the grandkids. And he shouts out to the son. He says, now, what, what's the password? How many of you know grandfathers usually find it very hard with his little gadgets? And so he calls out. He goes, what's the password, uh, you know, for the Wi-Fi here? Son shouts back, it's under the modem. And so after some time, the son calls back, have you found it? He says, I tried, but it's not working. Always come back, you know, wrong password, invalid password, invalid password. He said, I tried three times already. I'm fed up. So the son comes back inside and says, okay, 
What did you put? He says, I tried. I, I kept typing on under the modern. Didn't work. Grandfathers sometimes can be very forgetful. So the grandson sits by his side, little, you know, four-year-old boy sits by his side. And granddad is now texting friends. He's looking at texts that comes in. And he's looking at it. And then he replies. And every time he replies, the grandson is looking and wondering, what is this? The first time he puts just BFF. Friend writes back. And then he goes, B. Y-O-T. Then the friend sends back another message. He says, L-M-D-O. So the grandson, is, grandson does not know how to read the other messages, but he knows the initials. And he says, what, what, what's that? B-F-F. He says, oh, it means best friend fainted. Granddads have their own passwords, okay, that they use. What about the other ones, you know? One is, it says, B-Y-O-T, which means, bring your own teeth. We're having lunch. Then he says, what's the last one? He says, last one is L-M-D-O. What does that mean? He says, laughed my dentures out. Grandson follows him after lunch. Granddad goes to the bathroom to brush his teeth. Takes his dentures out. Rinses them. Brushes it. And grandson is standing there. Looking at his grandfather. Takes the whole teeth dentures out. Washes it. Rinses it. Brush. Put back inside. Grandson looks at him and says, That's cool, Granddad. Let's see you do it with your arm. <laughs> but it's true, we are all falling apart. <laughs> As grandfathers, we are falling apart. This morning, I'd like us to go to a scripture. It's, I, I'll be talking to you about, I can make a difference. And the scripture that I'm using on this Father's Day is taken from Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 and 38. This is what it says. The arrival of the Son of Man will take place in times like Noah's. Before the great flood, everyone was carrying on as usual, having a great time right up to the day Noah boarded the ark. Now don't worry, I'm not going to speak about the second coming of Jesus Christ. I want to talk about this person by the name of Noah. Because as I look at him, I think to myself, here is one person that made an entire difference. So I say to myself, I can make a difference. First of all, I can make a difference for myself. I can make a difference for myself. This is what he says. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. But Noah found grace. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord, or he found favor. The word there is actually, he found favor. Out of all the million, now, just, just, I want us to just have a little bit of a background to this. At this point of time, they didn't have seven billion people on the earth. They just had possibly about a million, a couple of million people, because this is the early stages after creation. Not very long, about a thousand years. And so now, uh, so that whole creation was going to be destroyed. 
but Noah found grace. It's, it's one thing, it's a wonderful thing to be picked up by God. God points a finger at you. I remember, you know, when I was, uh, I have shared with you when I was in Bible school and I was going through a very rough time in my life, I thought everything that I was hearing in Bible college was just a farce uh, because they, they taught one thing, but they lived another. I thought it was all hypocrisy. I was about to throw it all in. I was the editor of the school magazine, but still, you know, and, and don't want to say this, but I was the top student. <laughs> but I was about to throw it all in because I thought this is all rubbish. This, I mean, it's not working. I don't understand this Christianity. I was quite a young Christian at, uh, at that time. But anyway, I was about to throw it all in, and so there was this guest speaker who came, just flew in, and so that morning he was speaking, he called, gave a message, entire student body came to the front, everybody was being prayed for. I refused to come to the front because I thought, what's the point? You guys preach, pray, and then nothing happens. Lives are not changed. So, uh, you know, I sat right at the back. Then I feel this tap on my shoulder. I turn around. The preacher has left everyone in the front. He's come to the back, tapped me on the shoulder. Turn around. First time a stranger meeting a stranger. He says, your name is David. I see it written on your forehead. God has asked me to say certain things to you. I mean, you know that's God. Miraculously picked up. A few years go on and we have a great evangelist come into our uh, church at that time, and we were in Pandamaran Grace Assembly. His name was Charles Doss. We have about 500 people in the whole hall, and suddenly he just points a finger at me, picks me up, and starts to prophesy over my life. Wonderful thing to be picked up. Years later, we fly, there's a big revival happening. It started in Toronto, and there's a great outpouring Went through customs in Toronto. I wanted to go and see what this was all about. Went through uh, immigration. Immigration officer said, where, where, what, what's your purpose in coming? I told him I was coming to visit, visit the airport vineyard church. And he said, do you know that in the history of Toronto, in the past two years, we had the biggest amount of tourists who have not gone to Niagara Falls, but have gone to that church. So we go there, next morning, uh, we go into, no, next evening, we go into the service, jet lag, traveled all the way, you know, into Toronto, jet lag, very tired. So we go in, the service starts at 8 o'clock, we are there at 6, but 4 o'clock, people have already started lining up. So we are way at the back, a few thousand people lining up to get into the church. So I said, man, we, we can't wait like this. I feel like I'm going to drop. I'm so tired. So I walk up straight to the door, went to the guy and said, listen, we traveled all the way from Malaysia. We are jet lagged. Would you please allow us to at least come in and sleep on the chairs until the, you know, so a friend of mine and me, we went in. He said, yeah, yeah, sure, come on in. So the both of us went right in, slept on the pew, chairs like this. Service began. Well, we got up, sat in our chair, thousands of people there. Worship, wonderful, but I'm so tired, so exhausted. Preacher John Arnott and his wife Carol Arnott are very, very famous. When they, when they pray for people, especially when the wife prays for people, powerful things happen. So I heard about all this and I'm saying, you know, when I go there, I hope the wife can pray for me. Of course, it's impossible because, you know, thousands, they allow other people to pray. So I'm sitting there and then, you know, right where in the middle somewhere, thousands of people, John Arnott is saying something, and then he points a finger in our direction. So, I mean, I just look to the front, look to the back, you know, kind of thing. And then 
my friend says, I think he's calling you. I said, no, 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 definitely not. And people around me said, he's calling you. He's calling you. And so I stood up, uh, you know, and he said, yes, yes, you, come up, come up, come up. So I come up to the platform. And as I'm standing there and talking to him, telling the people where I'm from, Malaysia, Bole, Malaysia, all right? How many of you know that we are more Malaysians when we go out? But anyway, <laughs> now no luck. So I'm up there and, 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 and then I'm talking and then suddenly I see his wife, Carol Arnott, begins to walk up the stage. And she comes up and she lays her hands on me and prays. I mean, the power of God hit me. I was out for like three and a half hours. I crawled on my belly across the stage, fell down on the other side. Crawl behind the speakers. The next thing I heard was, Wise men say, holy fools. No, it was not Elvis. <laughs> the, the, the worship team was singing that song. Holy fools rush in. I mean, I'm thinking, what is this? I'm waking up, am I in heaven? Yes, if I'm, I'm going to meet Elvis. But it's a wonderful thing to be picked up by God. And something happens. It's wonderful. Awesome. But the thing about Noah was, he was not picked up by God as such. He found favor in the sight of God. In other words, Noah decided, it is not like, and God bestowed grace upon Noah, like he has done with us. I did not choose him, he chose me. I did not love him, he loved me first. Come on, amen. But with Noah, it was different. It's like he decided he was going to be different. I'm going, to, I'm going to live differently than all the, uh, I mean, in the ways that people are living. I'm not going to live like them. I'm going to make a difference for my life. I don't want to be like other people. Come on, amen. He decided he was going to change uh, and, and transform the way he lived. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 and verse 13, God saw, this message translation, that human evil was out of control. I mean, we think it's bad now, but at that time it was even worse. So bad that God wanted to destroy everyone. Um, how many of you know that God has not decided to destroy all of the mankind as yet? Why? Because the cup of evil, it seems like, has not been filled yet. Although we think it is the worst time we are ever living. But Noah's time was bad. And, and the Lord said, when it happens like that, then I'm going to come back. As it was in the days of Noah. Come on, amen? So listen to this one. I'm, I, you, you have it up there. God saw, okay, people thought evil, imagined evil, 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 evil. From morning to night, the earth was filled with violence. That was the condition and Noah decided, hey, listen, I'm going to be different. I'm going to change the way I think. I'm going to do this. And because of this, he found grace in the sight of God. Romans chapter 2, verse 11, God does not show favoritism. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9 says the same thing. But listen to this one. Psalm 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk in integrity. Genesis 6, verse 9. This is the story of Noah. Noah was a good man. A man of integrity 
in his community, Noah walked with God. Where do we get this? Where did he get this idea of walking with God? Because his great grandfather's name was Enoch. His father, his grandfather, his father, nothing said about them. But his great grandfather walked with God. In those days, you know, you get to see your great grandfather because they lived for hundreds of years. And he one day must have seen as a young boy his great grandfather. One day, great great grandfather was there and he's walking with his great grandfather, and then suddenly, great grandfather is gone. Enoch walked with God, and Enoch was not, for God took him. And so I think that began to birth inside of his heart that I can be different, I can make a difference for my life. I don't have to be squeezed into the mold of the world. Fathers, listen this morning. We don't have to be like other fathers. Marriages don't have to fail. We can make a difference. I am going to be a different person altogether and find favor uh, with the Lord. Here's this person by the name of Joseph. You've all heard of him. It says, and Joseph chapter 39 and verse 4 of Genesis found favor. Now listen, in, in Potiphar's eyes, he did not try to curry favor. How many of you know that there's a big difference? Huh? Sometimes we try to curry favor with people, you know, you know, kind of flatter them so that they will kind of like us. Joseph did not try that. He was a slave, but he, he was not bound by a slave mentality. Just because I'm working for this person, I must do this, I must... No, 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 no. He decided, listen, wherever I'm going to be, I'm going to be the best. And because he tried and he did his best, Joseph found favor. He was not seeking to find favor. He just found favor because of the way he lived and functioned. Same thing said about Daniel in chapter 1 verse 9. Daniel found favor in the eyes of the princess. Not princesses, but princes. They looked at him and he was different. He says, listen, I, all you guys are eating certain kind of food. All you guys have got your names changed. You've got your language changed and everything changed. Just leave us alone. Let us be who we are and we'll show you that we are better people. And they found favor in the sight of the Lord. Jesus grew in favor, not only with God, but also with men. I can make a difference in this world. For myself. Come on, say amen. Amen. I can make a difference. In spite of the terrible uh, surroundings that he was in, Noah decided, I was going to make a difference. I'm going to, I'm not going to be like them. I want a life that God blesses. That God would say, yes. That good things will start to happen in my life. Noah didn't have a clue as to whether a flood was going to come and destroy everybody. He just decided, hey, listen, I'm just going to start living like this. He didn't have a clue about judgment of God. God never really like communicated with him until later on when God told him what he was supposed to do. But he didn't. He just lived that life making a difference. So I say to myself, I can make a difference for myself. Amen? I can make a difference for myself. Number two, I can make a difference for my family. Say amen. Genesis chapter 7 verse 1. Go into the boat with all your family. For among all the people of the earth, I consider, come on, you alone. Not your family. 
But because you alone are righteous, take your whole family into the ark. This is something we all need to understand. It takes just one person. That's why Father's Day is so important. That's why Noah was such an example as, as being a father. He did fail a little later on, but he was just human. But he made a difference for his entire family. Amen. When you alone decide to be committed to God, your entire family can be wonderfully affected by your decision. When you say, I'm going to make a difference, I'm not going to be like, they're going to watch you. They say the best, uh, best advertisement of a father is in the way your child describes you to his friends. What do they say about, hey, you don't know my father. Teruk one of my father. What do they say? I remember I was in a, in a conversation and, and this guy, you know, was telling uh, another guy about this boy. And he said, you know, the, I mean, not, he just said, this guy uh, really feel very sorry for him. You know, his father don't, and the boy stood up and said, what are you talking about? He says, my father is my hero. How can you say that about my father? And he immediately stood up to defend his Father, he says, no, what you are saying is wrong. My father treats me very well. How do you know how my father treats me? I'm telling you, my father is my hero. That's the best advertisement. The best advertisement. You can make a difference for your family. Listen to this one. Psalm, this is very important. You want to take a shot of it? Take a shot of it. Psalm 112 and verses 1 to verse 3. Praise the Lord. For all who fear God and trust in Him are blessed beyond expression. Happy is the man who delights in doing His commands. His children will be honored everywhere. For good man's sons have a special heritage. He himself, the man, the father himself, shall be wealthy and his good deeds will never be forgotten. You can make a difference for your family. Noah made a difference for his family. The Philippian jailer was told, you can make a difference from your, for your family. What must I do to be saved? This, the jailer asked Paul the apostle. Paul's reply was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. You and your household. The prostitute Rahab decided she was going to be different. I know the kind of life I lived was not good, but from today onwards, I'm going to be different. I'm going to put my trust in your God, she told the spies. And they said to her, all right, if you put your trust in the God that we serve, that this is what you do. And she obeyed. She made a difference for entire family. What did the guy say? Bring your entire family into your house. Put the red cord over it. When we come, you and your household will be spared. Rahab later on becomes one in the lineage of Jesus if you read your Bible in the New Testament. Isn't that something? Amen. But I must also say that we can be a bad influence. Eli knew his sons, he was a godly man, supposed to be the priest, supposed to be a godly man, but he was such a bad example. 
that his children went wayward and he did not even correct them. And here's this other guy who was so related to the greatest man of faith, Abraham. He was, he was the nephew. He was so related to him. His name was Lot. But he decided, you know, hey, uh, uh, when you're in the world, you've got to just do what the world does. You've got to get, you know, involved in it. So he got involved in it. Instead of taking into consideration what that might do to his children, he did not even bother. Let's just go for it. Want to be successful in life. At the end of the day, lost everything. His own children did not believe in him, did not even trust in what he had to say. They laughed at him. His sons-in-laws laughed at him. Isn't that something? Terrible influence. But we can make a difference for our families. Amen. Let me just say this. If you have got little kids now, let me be a little bit more honest. The most significant and important relationship your kids will ever have is you. Whether they are five years old, 15 years old, 25 years old, 35 years old, 45, 55, even 65 years old. The most important relationship they could ever have is you. They will still need you. They will still be looking to you. Come on, can I hear an amen? All right? Please understand that everything a child participates while at church should only act as supplementary to what has been going on at home. It is just supplementary. It is not the main thing. Don't bring kids into church and expect the church to transform them. They have to be transformed in the home. We are here as supplementary to help them on in life. Can I hear an amen? All right. You know, God has given parents a primary responsibility of teaching the children the ways of God, how God functions. When was the last time as parents, you spoke to your child about what God has been doing in your life. About how God can work in your life. How he can provide. What he can do if you will only trust him in this area. Because I trusted this happened. Because I prayed the other thing happened. When was the last time you checked what your children were doing in their studies? The other day I was just going through, I think it was Aiden's school book. And... Uh, they put three different countries. They put Africa, they put Japan, and they put Sweden. And then they, they, they talk about each country in Africa, how poor the children are, how they suffer, you know, they have to walk so many miles to get water, da-da-da-da. Then they talk about Japan where everything is so rigid and everything is studying, you know, everything about Japan. Then they went into uh, uh, Sweden and how, you know, the climate is and how the People like to walk around or they like to cycle bicycles and then snow comes at a certain time of the year. And then they ask them the question, you know, uh, 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 which country would you like to choose? And then this is what it says. Listen, I, I saw this and it says, give reasons to support a response or an option. This is a 10-year-old boy. David. When I was 10 years old, in school all, I did not know how to even spell response. 
When we were in school, we learned times table, right? Huh? Still learn. One times one is one. One times two is... I forgot. So they asked this little boy, tell me your five times table. Five times table. Tell the five times table. Quickly tell five of them. Ta, da, ta, da, ta. Ta. What are you doing? Teacher, I remember the tune. Words I forgot. Nowadays, give a response or an option to a 10-year-old child. That's why they are way ahead of us in so many ways. I mean, you take the same question and give it to some of our university students now. They don't even know how to answer. True or not? Come on. You, you and I know. I mean, come on. The kind of education system we have. What, what this one? Give response. What happened? Response. Give response. So we need to get involved with our kids. I can make a difference in my, for my family. I can make a difference. But one of the major things is to show them how God is alive and working. Let them know when you come back, God was with me, gave me wisdom, helped me. Say something. Don't be silent. How, how are they going to learn? How did my kids learn about these things? Not just in church but through answered prayers and testimonies and things that we share and how people show their love and all this. And we say, this is how God works. Why is it, you know, people love one another? Because this is how God works. Show them how God works. Amen. I can make a difference for future generations, basically for present generation as well. It, it, I was sharing with my wife and I shared with a couple of people we misunderstand the whole idea of the kingdom of God. When Jesus said the kingdom of God has come, he's not talking about signs, wonders, miracles, lightning, thunders, all that kind of stuff. He's talking about, I have come. And watch how when I walk into somebody's life, their lives change. I bring light into darkened lives. I, 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 when I come in, sad faces become happy. Listen, the way we spread the kingdom is just make someone happy. Because it's a sad world. Be friendly with people. DML, uh, uh, down memory lane, we have a little chat group. I'm sure some of you also belong to that chat group. And somebody once put a picture of all the races together, young kids and all that playing together. And almost immediately, the response came back, yes, but our politicians have spoiled this. And a lot of negative comments. So I said in that chat group, but we can make a difference. We start off by showing our children and our grandchildren how to be friendly across, the, you know, the boundaries, the walls. We break down the walls. We start to become friendly. Malay neighbors moved in next door. One of the first things we did was I greeted them, smiled, said hello. Next thing I did was I took... We, you, all you guys received date boxes, all those dates. We had so many boxes. I took it across, gave it to him. A few days later, some of his friends visited. We had more boxes. I went over and gave a few more. Now he sees me. He's waiting to say hello. Come on, amen. Little things that we can do. I'm not, you know, the kingdom of God. I want to talk to you about the kingdom. No, no, no. Just become a friend. People need friends. I can make a difference in the next generations. I want my children to see this and my grandchildren to follow along in the same way. Cross the line. 
Everybody has got, you know, all these this little protective things that we have. The other day, Jonathan took uh, Pastor Lifan and me, bought us tickets to go watch Jurassic Park. Pray for us. Okay, anyway. So we watched Jurassic Park. After it was over, we went for dinner. So we're all standing outside, TGIF. So anyway, we're all standing outside and I'm standing there and Jonathan is getting the table, talking to the person there. Behind me is another Malay couple, young Malay couple. And the guy is wearing an Arsenal t-shirt. Whew, open opportunity. So I turn around and look at him, wearing mask, I go, Oh, you're an Arsenal fan. Okay, get into a little conversation. Fine. Talk, talk a little bit. We all go into our table. We come out. And as we are walking outside, I hear a voice behind me said, Did you enjoy your meal, sir? I turn around and it's this guy. Jonathan thought, Hey, how come he called you pastor? I said, He didn't call me pastor. He said, Did you have a good meal, sir? My pray for Jonathan. His hearing is a bit uh, like mine also. But yeah. But what, what, what am I saying? I'm saying, Become a friend. Become a friend to someone. We went out, all us, uh, our cell group, we have a lot of uh, mature people. You know, I suddenly realized that I'm the same age group as old people. <laughs> that's, that's scary. <laughs> but we went out, we had a meal together, you know, all of us had a great time together and the waiter came by and served and of course you know my approach is what's your name my name is Kim Kim do you know out of seven billion people you get to meet me why is that Kim I don't know sir I said that's because Jesus brought me here to tell you he loves you man thank you sir thank you sir so what are we doing I'm talking about making a difference in our community around us, the next generation of people, so that we want this to spread. Christianity is sharing the love of Christ, the joy of Christ, the fragrance of Christ. This is what Jesus would have done. That's why he went into homes that the Pharisees did not want him to go into. Hey, there's a barrier, man. We are Pharisees, those are sinners. We got to keep that barrier. He says, no, no, no. I'm going to cross the barrier and I'm going to make a difference in communities. Let me hear an amen. I pray that all of us will put this into practice. Last of all, Jesus made a difference. Uh, we can make, I can make a difference for God himself. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, God said this. My spirit will not strive with man always. For God was really about to destroy mankind. My spirit will not strive with man always. So I'm going to destroy him. But Noah found grace in the eyes of God. And because he found grace in the eyes of God, God decided, okay, I'll change my mind. I'll still save mankind. I could have wiped them all out, but I'm going to save. Why? Because one man made a difference with God himself. Changed the mind of God. Abraham stands there. God says, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham goes, God, come on. If there are 50 righteous people, will you destroy? One man can stand in the gap. This is what the word says. I think I've got it written down for you. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. I look for someone 
to stand up for me against all this, to repair the defenses of the city, to take a stand for me and stand in the gap to protect this land so that I would not destroy it. I couldn't find anyone. So may God look upon us today and find someone who can make a difference with God himself. Can I hear an amen? That when we begin to pray, God will say, all right, because you asked, I'm going to do this for you. And if we could just do that, man, we could change in, the, in a way. And it says that God repented, which means God changed his mind and decided. So every time I look at a rainbow, I'm reminded, I can make a difference. Why is there a rainbow in the sky? Because one man said, I can make a difference. And let me also say this, you are never too old to start. Noah started to build the ark when he was 480 years old. When God spoke to him, which means that God did not speak before that. But suddenly, after so long, I'm never too old to make a difference. Stand with me this morning as we bring the service to a close.